Today, Bo and I want to continue our series called Sitting in a Tree. How many of you guys have been here for all, all of the series so far? Good. Great. Well, um, it's about love, marriage, and making babies. So you can sing this with me and sing loud because I don't sing. But Joe and Susie sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes, then comes, then comes baby, baby carriage. All right. Well, good job. Y'all yeah, sound awesome. Good job, man. But from this simple children's, children's song, we've been able to look at some great spiritual truths. And so today we're going to continue that out. Good job. And if you didn't, <laughs> if you haven't caught the teaching for the last few weeks, you can go to thousandhillsranch.church and you can listen to all of them. If you have friends that, you know, you think maybe they, wanna, they would want to hear this, or you got young couples that you think maybe, you know, they need to hear this, just send them to the website. Go to our Facebook. Check it out. When we put our, when we put our posts on here, the first uh, Sitting on the Tree um, Part 1, we put it on there. We've reached over, I think, how many people? Over 6,000 people with just that one post on Facebook. So praise God, right? Um, and so again, just check all that stuff out, send it to somebody. Here's what I would ask you to do. And I don't, you, you guys might be thinking, well, he's just selfish. He just wants to promote himself. No, listen, here's what I believe. When God speaks to me, I want to tell people about it. And so just because I teach people a certain lesson and then I say, go listen to it again. It's not for you to hear me. It's for you to hear God. Does that make sense? Because I'm going to promote it because here's why it spoke to me. That's how I know it was from God and not just from me. And so when I say go share it with all your friends, if you see a post that we put on Thousand Hills, post it on your website, post it on your Facebook, Twitter, you know, tweet about it, do all that stuff, put it on Instagram, share it. Not because we want to be, you know, the best church in the world. No, because we want to make God famous, more famous than he already is. Right. So don't be bashful about that. Um, but I, I want you to think about that song again, sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, first comes love, then comes what? Marriage, marriage. That reminds some of you guys know. What? Yeah. What do you think? Anyways, what's that movie? Princess Bride. See, somebody's seen that movie, Marriage. Um, but no, but not not a whole lot of people, obviously. Just me and you, buddy. But here's the thing: for a lot of us, you know, married people, the word marriage actually brings thoughts of joy, right? I mean, you better be yes. That's when you shake your head, yes, it brings so many thoughts of joy. X's and O's everywhere, marriage bliss, right? I mean, for a lot of us, that is true. I I think that. I mean, and when I think about my marriage, I I mean, it's not easy. And the devil usually shows up when we're teaching on stuff like this. And so we have to be on our guard. But I love my wife. I think happy thoughts about her (laughs) because I love her and I love our marriage. But here's the, the other side of it. For many young people in today's culture, guess what? They're scared of marriage. You need to talk to a few young people. I mean, you talk to a few 20-something, they're like, nah, man, I don't think that marriage thing's for me. You look at some couples that are younger nowadays, they're like, nah, man, I don't think marriage is for me. We're just going to do our thing and do it our way, but I don't think that marriage is in the cards for me. And Because here's why. All they see are failed marriages. I mean, it's sad. I mean, all, all they see is this failed marriage, you know, pattern, this divorce rate getting higher. And for many adults, and, and again, young adults, all they see or all they kind of know is my mama and daddy were married for 25 or 30 years and now they're getting a divorce. That's what they see. And so, again, they're scared and many of them are, are scared and they, they have this, this idea of marriage as, man, I don't, that brings pain. I don't know if I want to be a part of that. And so... 
Here's the thing. As I prepared this message, I thought about, I said, I, I wonder what a teenager or a young adult would, would write or rewrite the sitting in a tree song. I wonder how they would rewrite it. I mean, first comes what? Something. I don't know what they would put in there. Then comes, you know, pain. Then comes divorce. Then comes, you know, the baby raised by a single parent. You know, I don't know. But, but sadly, I think they would rewrite it with some lack of God's design in their song. Does that make sense? They would write it and maybe it would be full of pain and, and fear and lack of commitment rather than the things that are committed in a marriage. Does that make sense? And so I, I wondered that. And again, I, I don't know I, I don't know how else to help them get over that fear than to teach them the truth. And so that's what we're here to do. At Thousand Hills, we've always said it. We are committed to provide godly counsel, biblical teaching, so that the teenagers, young adults, and even the older adults that are single now can experience joy and peace in their marriage. That's what we want. And so listen, again, I, I want to let you know that, 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 that God has a plan for marriage, and it still works. Can, I just, can we just clap on that? Is there something good about that? it still works. And you say, well, I failed in my last marriage. Uh, You know, listen, the devil wants to use that failure to keep you down. And so you don't look up and actually learn what God wants you to do and do it better next time. But the desire for you ought to be, man, I failed at that. I confess that I did it wrong or she did it wrong or whatever happened. And then you press on and you move forward to have a relationship the next time to the glory of God. Does that make sense? And I look around and I see some of you guys and I know you're divorced. I know it. I I just know you. I know people that have been divorced. And can I just tell you, you are not lesser than anybody else. You you are not. The preacher is no better than you. That should deserve a clap. I mean, I just said. I mean, I'm just telling you, you people walk into church sometimes and they go, I'm a lesser Christian because I got a little D on my chest because I'm divorced. Now, listen, God can overcome your past just like he can overcome mine. And so, listen, let's let's worry more about let's forget about the past, learn from it, but worry more about the future and how we can glorify God in our relationships. Um, And can I just give you some insight? Uh, I've learned a few things. I've been doing some studying and we're going to we're going to have to roll fast, but. Here's a few facts. Number one is this. The traditional definition of marriage, it's changing. You say, I don't know about that. But it is. Whether you like it or not, it is. While we can learn from the way of the traditional marriage, uh, you know, and how that looked years ago, the truth is the way that marriage looked in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, guess what? Is not the way that it looks today or it will look in the future. It's just not. Um, let me give you a few examples. You know, back in the day, you know, most people, their, their ultimate goal was to get married. But nowadays, they have other goals. I mean, young people, again, they look around, they go, I want a career. I want to go, you know, make it big in this. I want to go make it big in that. And their, their goal for getting married, married is, is probably third or fourth on their list. It's just the truth. Um, and, and, you know, so today they're not, not so much. I mean, they have other goals to, to fulfill first back in the day, you know, couples got married early in life today. They're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And that's okay. I mean, I was married when I was 28 years old. I mean, that's okay, but it's just changing. Um, back in the day, most men were the breadwinners of the house, right? But nowadays both people work. And again, that's okay. It's okay, but it's just changing. 
And you need to either accept some of it that's obviously good and godly and neglect the things that are not good and godly, or you're going to be left behind preaching all this crap that nobody wants to listen to. Does that make sense? I don't want to be that preacher. I want to know what the culture is dealing with and then give them the answers from the word of God according to the culture, not according to my tradition or what I think it ought to be. Right. And so I'm just telling you, you can you can like it or not. But the look of marriage is changing. Another fact is this. <clears throat> Although many young people, they have apprehensions about getting married. Here's number two. Young people desire to get married more than ever. They have they have this 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 kind of you know misconception about it. They have this fear about it, but they still want to get married. They do. They long for it. I mean, I read a study that says this. Stats show this. According to a study that I read, 61% of young people say they would like to have a, mar- a marriage or like to get married. 61% still. 78% of female high school students say that a good marriage is extremely important to them. 78%. of the male high school students said the same thing, that a good marriage is extremely important to them. So here's the truth. Although young people, they may may have somewhat of this disenchanted uh, idea about marriage, they still desire to get married. They do. They want it. They want a good marriage. Number three was this that I'm learning. This is some facts about marriage and young young people and all that. Economics is playing a major role in, in why many people or young people don't marry. Here's what they think. And again, I, I believe it's true. They think that, that, you know, marriage can only be enjoyed by those who can afford it. Can I just, and I, I don't mean to burst young people's bubbles, but you'll never be able to afford it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of you are like, well, we're going to get married when we can afford it. Well, good luck. I mean, seriously, you got, what do you think? I mean, you got to have 40 grand in the bank. It, it ain't going to last very long. <laughs> you know, I mean, you start buying a house, you start buying, you know, kid, you start buying kids, you start buying kids, you know, <laughs> you start having kids. So a lot of people are like, man, we, we can't have kids until we can afford it. Well, good luck. You're going to not have kids for the rest of your life if you wait for until you can afford it. But it's true. I mean, especially with so many young people, they're, they're getting married. And again, they both have jobs. So their careers are, you know, big to them. Money's kind of important to them. And so they think that, you know, again, they, they have to wait till they get financially stable to get married. It's just, for me, that's a poor excuse. That's just my opinion. I mean, if you're in love, God's showing you you're in love, you need to get married and God will work it out. Some of the greatest times that I've ever had was when we were the poorest. When we had a, 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 a thousand square foot house with no heating, you know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just fun. Yeah, I got past the fun pretty quick. But, but it was fun, and we grew in our love because we, you know, you just do it, right? I mean, I, is that, would you agree with that? It was kind of fun? I don't remember. No, first... I never have any heat, but. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that must have been when I was single that building was the emphasis. house no. before you got there. But then we got heat when we got married. That's oh, right. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, that's I remember fun. that. But here's the, here's the truth. In many cases, listen, relationships feel very complicated these days. It feels that way to a lot of people. I mean, again, it's hard to define what love is. That's hard to define in, in many cases. Marriages, in many cases, you know, they, they've become a contract rather than a covenant. And they have loopholes. I'm going to get out if this happens. I'm going to get out if this happens. It's become more complicated. Sex, sex has become trivializing and compartmentalized. Um, and, and not by just, uh, you know, our sex-driven world, but by many people who claim to know Jesus as well. Because it's, so again, it's become complicated. And, and so here's, you think, well, why is all the confusion? 
Okay, you ready? Okay, I'm going to give you the answer today. We're going to try to give you one of the answers to why there's confusion and fear of relationships. Here's what I believe. Again, there's a lot of different answers and reasons why people are so confused about, you know, marriage and all that stuff. But one of the major reasons is this. The roles, listen, the roles of men and women in marriage have become blurred and confused. The roles, okay? So stick with me here. You say, okay, but what's the, what's the role of both men and women in a godly marriage? And I know we're treading on you know, glass here, and we're going to talk about a women's, woman's role in marriage and a man's role in marriage. And, but here's the thing. The world has an idea about it. The culture has an idea about it, but as followers of Jesus Christ, I want to learn what the Bible says about it, and then I want to grow from what the Bible says, not what the culture says. Does that make sense? And so what you're going to hear today is a biblical view of what I believe the roles of men and women ought to look like in marriage. You ready? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5. And further, what is the words? Three words. Submit to one Another, it's four words, my fault. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means what? Come on, girls, you can say it. It's okay. It won't hurt. Submit to your husband. For wives, this means? Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband, this is, for the husband is the what? Head. That didn't hurt, did it? The head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, or he is the savior of his body, the church. That's talking about Jesus. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. For husbands, this means what? Love your wives, right? Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed in cleansing of, of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any, blem- any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Are you with me? No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great what? What's that M word? A great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and why and the wife must respect her husband. Now, some of you guys are like, I'm out of here. I don't want to hear this. But listen. I believe that for many years, people have misconstrued this verse, and we are going to show you what we believe God meant in the verse, okay? Now, so here's the deal. You know, one of the things that that I love about our church is that we we try to, you know, stand on on being more biblical than traditional, okay? Some of you grew up in a traditional church and they maybe taught certain things that, again, that, that, that were traditional, but they weren't biblical. Are you with me? And so today we're going to maybe kind of break down some of the biblical thing or some of the traditional things that you may have learned. And we are going to actually teach you what we believe is biblical and, and where the Bible, listen, where the Bible speaks, we speak. 
Okay? If the Bible says this, then we're going to say it. If the Bible doesn't say something directly about a certain topic, you say, well, then what do you do? Then we use the rest of the Bible to come up with wisdom from the whole Bible to make a decision on what we should do. Does that make sense? But I praise God that, that, that God speaks through the, in the Bible on the roles of marriage and, and shows us what this ought to look like. Now, listen, I, I want to say this as a male because I think you need to hear it from my mouth as a, as a male man pastor. Okay, you ready? Now, obviously, there's the, there's the elephant in the room when it comes to talking about a woman and how she should submit and all that stuff. And, and here's, here's what I want to say about this. As, as we've already said before, here's what I believe. And I, I believe that God, God is for this. Men and women are equal in God's eyes. <laughs> Some of you ladies need to hear that from me. Right? Man did not create woman. God did. You need to hear that. Some of you need to hear that. Jesus died for both men and women. And listen, women should be equal in everything. They should be equal in pay. They should be equal in opportunity to be who God wants them to be. Can I get some clapping from the ladies? I mean, I, I thought I would deserve a little. <clears throat> so you say, Bo, what do you, what, I mean, what do you, why do you say that? Because here's why I think that men, especially in church, get this, get this bad rap of being male chauvinist pigs because they just want to, you know, wives need to submit. Now that, again, that is not biblical. It's not biblical. Um, I want to speak toward the man's role in relationships. Here's, here's what we used to see in the media. When you used to watch like old shows, guess what they, how they looked at men. They looked at them with respect, right? I mean, think about the men of the older shows like Mr. Mr. Cleaver and Leave it to Beaver. He was respected, right? I mean, he was a strong leader. I mean, you look at the old shows in the media and there were strong leaders. You know, they, they, they were respected. But nowadays, you watch TV and guess what the men are portrayed as? Passive little pushovers who the women ought to just, you know, just pop upside the head because you're an idiot. And di- disrespected from their parents. And there, there's been this attempt by, I believe, what I would call the true feminist um, to uh, castrate most of the men in our culture. <laughs> Some of you guys are going to clap for castration. You know, that's good. But here's the truth. Sadly, this has led to the confusion of man's role in a marriage and in his family. It's led to that. And so and let me tell you this as well. Used to men, and again, this is where we were wrong and, and men are wrong. Used to men, you know, they, they, would, they loved the idea of wives submit to your husbands. And they wore that as a badge, you know, for treating men or women poorly. I mean, men dominated women. I mean, you, you know the culture where the man said, you, you, know, you know, what do you, you know, the, the man, you know, I mean, again, they would say, you know, do what I say to do, woman. God says so. Anybody ever heard your grandpa say that? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. I've heard it. You know, I've heard men say, you know, where's my food, woman? You know, I mean, it's like you're my men treated women as little, almost little above slaves. Right. I mean, again, shut up those kids. You're in charge of the kids. Make those kids shut up. You know, where's my clean clothes? Right. I'm just telling you, that's the way our culture used to say that men ought to live above women. But can I just tell you that tradition is not biblical? It's not. Thank you, Bree. Appreciate that. 
Here's why. Verse 21. You say, well, where's the scripture to prove it? Verse 21. And further, submit to one another. Here's why. A lot of men, they're like, man, they want to camp out. They want to, you know, for years, men have glazed over verse 21 that says submit to one another. And they've staked their throne on wives, submit to your husbands. But the verse before it, they don't want to, they don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about, oh, submit to one another, you know, again. And, and in verse 21, it shows us that here's, here's the truth. This is what I want you to get. God's desire is for marriage to be a team effort. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it needs to be a team effort with both the husband and the wife submitting to one another for the glory of God. The other the other and the other potential roadblock is this when when we read that husband is the head of his wife. Now, again, some of you ladies are like, I hate that verse. Why didn't God just scratch that out, man? Where's the delete button? You know, what does that mean? And, and again, verse 23, for the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now, again, you may be thinking, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that, again, we're not equal? Here's what I want you to realize. It's all about the role of a man, not the equality. Does that, does that make sense? Here's, the, here's the, what this shows. This shows the, a man's role in his marriage, not his value over women. Are you, are you with me? I want you to hear that because I'll give you an example. Every role is valuable on a team. Every role is valuable on a team. I mean, the, the Super Bowl champions, they couldn't have won the Super Bowl with just Peyton Manning, right? They had to have the line. They had to have the defense. They had to have the, all the people. Every role on a team is valuable. But listen to this. This is what you got to realize. And you know this. Every team has a leader. And you say, is that, is that, you know, so what are you saying, Bo? Well, here's what I believe the Bible tells us. That the man ought to lead out. The man ought to take the, 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 you know, the cow by the horns and say, we're going. We're going to do this. And the man, he's the quarterback. He's the one who leads the way for his wife so that she can be protected and secure and loved. And so that the kids can follow in place and go, my dad's the leader of our home. He's not, you know, a dominating pig. He's the leader and he's going to show me how I'm supposed to live my life. So again, it's not a matter of equality. It's a matter of my role by God is to lead my family. It's just the truth. I mean, again, that's the role that that God gave us. You say, well, how do we do that? Listen, men, you need to hear this. For husbands, verse 25, for husband, this means love your wives. You say, how do I lead my family? Love your wife. You know, just as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? What did he do for the church? Keep going. Is there another verse? Just as Christ loved the church. Nope, not another verse. And he gave up his life for the church. Again, so many men are like, they push their wives out front. No, you get, you get, you get out front. I want you to get, you know, in the fight. And instead, God says, no, you lay your life down. You bring in the fight, you're going to fight through me. Because I'm going to protect her. That's what God says. You say, well, what's a leader in a marriage? He's a guy that leads his family courageously. He's a masculine man who hasn't been castrated. 
I mean, I'm telling you, there are so many women that want to just castrate men and say, well, you're just, you know, a little pansy and you should just, you know, obey me and all that stuff. And they just kind of throw their weight around. Again, I believe that men are called to be courageous. They're called to protect their wives. They're called to protect their children. They're called to lead their homes in love and service and example. They're called to be strong in integrity. They're supposed to be strong in loyalty and faithfulness, willing to fight for their kids against the evil that threatens them every day. They they ought to expect their kids to respect them. I mean, there's so many homes I see nowadays and the kids are the CEO. It ain't working and it ain't biblical. And again, I'm going to love my kids, but they're going to know who's in charge and they're not going to disrespect my wife or their mama. Here's the other truth. I I believe that this is what a a man ought to look like. And and listen, men, when you lead in a loving way that protects your wife, that shows her love, guess what? That's what she wants. That's what she wants. It's just just how it is. And so you might be thinking, well, Bo, why? Why are you defining what a man's role is? A man's role is. Again, we're here to help men figure out what their role is and what is biblical, not just traditional. And the second thing is this. I have two sons. And I want them to know what a man really looks like. I want them to know. And so, again, you need to take this home. Maybe you need to read over this again. Maybe you need to listen to it again so that when your son goes, Dad, what do I do? I mean, or he doesn't even have to ask. I'm just going to tell my sons. Sons, listen. Before they go to bed, I'm going to tell them. You need to, when you get married one of these days, you need to be a godly man. You need to love your wife. You need to show her respect. And when you have kids someday, they need to honor you. You need to, you need to make sure that they know who's in charge. You know why? Because I, I believe that they, if they're going to have a successful marriage, then they need to be taught that. And they need to be taught that by me because I'm their dad. You bet. And Bo does a great job of enforcing this. I mean, even in school, I mean, our kids are in pre-K and first grade. So, I mean, but, you know, Bo teaches them manners. Like, you open the door for a girl. You, you know, if, if, if someone's picking on a girl at school, you stand up for her. I mean, so just incorporating those small little things, even at a tiny age, is going to hopefully, re, you know, reap great rewards when they when they get older. But Yeah, let me say this. I tell my kids, you know, I don't, I don't want you getting in fights. I don't want you picking fights. But if there's a girl that's getting tuned on or disrespected you blow that kid up (laughs) and I will have your back and you won't be in trouble when you get home he also says you know if they you you, you don't get in a fight at school but if they hit you first you punch hard and run that's right Right? you don't punch hard you just knock them out (laughs) and you don't run never mind we're gonna get we're gonna get in trouble That's just the way I am. Okay, but the thing is... Never punch first. We also have a daughter, and so I want to help her know what God would say is a healthy role for women. So when she grows up, she knows what her role is and what God expects of her as a wife. Um, And I've seen, you know, we can all agree that we've seen a shift in this over, you know, over the years of a woman's role in marriage. And I want my daughter to know what most pleases the Lord, not what most pleases the world. And so... um, I've noticed two mindsets when it comes to women. And used to, I mean, women, you know, it was just expected that they stayed at home, that they didn't work outside of the home. But, you know, and women uh, used to, if they did work outside the home, they felt bad. I mean, that's just, that's just kind of how it was. But nowadays, it's the opposite. I feel like a lot of women, instead of feeling bad for wanting to work outside the home, they feel bad if they feel like 
they want to stay at home and raise their children. And I mean, I can kind of say this from experience. I, you know, I went to college, I got a degree, I had a business degree, um, went on and got my teaching certificate taught, you know, for a few years. And my heart was, you know, just bent (laughs) towards staying at home when we had kids one day. I mean, that's just the Lord placed that in my heart. He doesn't place that in every woman's heart. And that's okay. I mean, I've, you know, some of the the best moms that I know have successful careers, work outside the home, pull off, I mean, clean houses, you know, I mean, have, you know, great kids. Um, but for me personally, I, I felt a calling on my life to stay at home and, and raise our kids. And again, and I'm going to talk about this here in a second, but anyways, there's been a shift. I think that there's been two mindsets for women. The first is the career oriented women. And I think women that are career oriented, they sometimes get a bad rap, but I feel like that comes from uh, the wrong definition. I feel like our culture has defined that in a wrong way. And so I want to kind of talk about how I would define a career oriented woman. I believe that women, you know, a career oriented women are women who have, they have goals and ambitions to help set themselves up to have successful careers and marriages and great families. And the idea that a, you know, a career, a career minded woman often misleads others to think that, that, well, they don't love their families as much as they should because they work outside the home. That's, and that's ridiculous. Um, you know, they think, well, she only, you know, works outside the career so that she can have a certain lifestyle. And I believe, you know, a side note to this is it, it goes back to our motives. If your motive of working outside the home and having a successful career is just so you can impress the world with all your stuff, then that's wrong. I, and I would say the same is true for a man. If your only ambition in life is to be successful and accumulate earthly things, then you might want to recheck your priorities. If you're sacrificing your family in order to gain more, then then that's I would say that that's wrong um, for men or women. Um, also, I think that it's good for us to realize that there's different seasons in life. You know, if you you know maybe you want to work full time from the time your kids are born till for till you retire. You know that's that's great. Or maybe you want to stay at home while your kids are small, raise them, and then when they're in school, then you pursue that career. I think it's it's different for everyone, and I think ultimately you have to talk about that with your husband, pray about that, see what works best for your family, and submit to God and what His calling is on your life. You know, when when our kids were little, well. Before we had kids, like I said, I was teaching and, you know, taking that step to quit and lose that full-time income, I mean, because you do, you get dependent on that. Um, it was a challenge. And I think that, you know, it was a, it was something we both had to pray for, you know, or pray about. And like both said, you're never going to be able to afford kids. And so sometimes that doesn't always work out on paper and you think, how the heck you know, could I ever quit this job and, and, and stay at home with our kids or whatever. But it was something that we, you know, that we prayed about. And in that moment, um, I did have an opportunity for some income that allowed me to stay at home, you know, work from home or whatever to, to provide some supplemental income for us. But I mean, we were like, I don't know how the heck we're going to pay all of our bills, but we really feel like this is what the Lord wants us to do. And we've never missed a meal. Yeah. So just know that if God calls you to do something, he's, he's going to provide. But I think on the other hand, there's another mindset that feminists have poured down into our daughters that we that we need to discuss with them but and that is the independent minded woman so first we have the career oriented women who sometimes get a bad rap because of a misconception of what that truly means but the other is the independent minded woman and these you know these women are you know the ones that 
but think, I don't need a man. You know, I hate men. I, you know, no man's going to tell me what to do. They're filled with pride. And it's the independent woman that gives the career-minded woman a bad rap. Does that make sense? Um, And so in my experience, it's the teenage girl, and we had one of these in our youth group, who said, I'm never going to get married. I don't need a man. She was the first one to get married out of our youth group. She was. And and she's a great mom, great wife. You know, but I mean, we just looked at her and we were like, you're going to be the first one to go to to get married. So you just, you just wait. But anyways, the overall point here is that, that our husbands and our kids come before our goals. And the same should be true for the husbands. If you you know, say that again. Because this is the key right here. The, our husbands and our kids come before our own personal goals. Our wives and our kids come before our personal goals in our career. Right. And I think, you know, that's it's, true. It's both. Right. I mean, if, you know, if you're a man and you, you know, have a career and you have the opportunity to get a raise, but that's going to require you to be gone you know, 30 days out of the month, (laughs) then you might want to, you know, step back, talk about that with your wife and say, okay, I'm going to miss every game, every rodeo, every whatever that our kids are in, you know, is this really what we want? And you need to pray about that. And it it might be for a season. It might be something, you know what, we're in debt. We cannot pay our bills. We need this job for a little bit. And that's a sacrifice we're going to make short term or something like that. But I mean, again, if it's going to cause you to miss out on your children's lives, the most important years, um, then it's not worth it for the man or the woman. So I think, again, you got to make sure that whatever your setup is, that God, you feel like it's what God wants you to do. And it's going to benefit your husband or your wife and your children. Emotionally and physically and spiritually, not just monetarily. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I can guarantee you that any kid would say, I'd rather have my mom and dad at my game than have that brand new pair of tennis shoes. And I've never <laughs> buried somebody that had on their, their tombstone, I wished I would have spent more time at the office. Never read it. But I have seen some that wrote in there, I wished I'd have spent more time with my kids. You bet. So... How do we be the wives that God wants us to be? And I have three things that I'm going to talk about today. But to be the wife that that we that God wants us to be, we have to turn to his word, not the world. And I think so many times we look to the world and the culture and the way they do things and the way maybe even your girlfriends do things and the way that they get together and disrespect and talk about their husbands. That's the world. That's not what God has called us to, to do. So, um, and, and before I kind of get started on this, when Bo and I started dating, the first time he ever sent me flowers, I think it was my birthday. Anyways, he signed the card, love your man, Bo. Your well, man. from from then on, every card that he's ever written me or, or signed, it's always love your man. So anyways, so my points today are how do we, you know, these are our men and what is our role in this marriage with our men? So number one, a wife's role is to help and respect her man. Genesis 2.18 The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So first, God realized that they needed us, right? Amen. And that it wasn't good for them to be alone. But he made what for them? A helper, right? Not someone to nag. Amen. Not not someone to, you know, just... Uh, belittle, disrespect. He made someone to help them. Not so, a slave. Not a slave. Again, some men are going to, yeah, you're my helper. Help me out here. Cook my food. Clean my laundry. No. No. That does help. 
<laughs> not as a slave. But women, and I believe that we've been given tremendous power for good in our husbands' lives. I feel like we have a lot of influence um, in our husbands' lives. And he's des- God has designed us to help our husbands reach their full potential. And so we need to help our husbands to become all that God has intended them to be. Ephesians 5.33, it says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And again, I want to talk about the definition of respect, because I think sometimes we hear that word and we you know, think of a negative, a negative thing. But de- the definition of respect is a feeling of admiring someone or something that is good, valuable and important so hopefully if you married your husband you have somewhat of an admiration for them right (laughs) hopefully um you know you you value them and think that they are good and important therefore when you respect your husband you this means that you honor him you prefer him over others you esteem him you build him up you value his opinion you admire him and you consider his needs and, and our husbands have many needs. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but mostly, I, I think if you were to ask, what is your number one need? I think that they would say respect. Amen. For the most, I mean, in general, I think that, that they want someone uh, who has their back. Right. They want to know, man, you support me. You love me. And I know that this is important for Bo. He wants to know that, you know, I put him above anyone else. I put him above our kids. I put him above my mama and daddy. Right. And so he needs he needs he needs that and he wants to know that. He wants us he men want want their wives to be their number one fan. And I think, you know, if you're not sure what your husband's number one need is, all you gotta do is ask. Yep. Hey, what's your number one need? Is it respect? I mean, and how can I show you respect? I mean, is it, you know, does my words of and I, I know for Bo, his is words of affirmation. Like if I would just tell him, you know, you do a great job. Thanks for providing for our family. Thanks for teaching our kids to love Jesus. I mean, telling them those things that shows him respect and that builds him up. So number one, we're to help and respect our man. Number two, a wife's role is to love her man. Titus two four says, love their husbands. Okay, so how do we show our husbands love? Well, again, we ask them, what, you know, what shows you love? And I believe most will talk about the things we've talked about already, you know, you know, helping me, you know, I mean, Bo loves it when we talk about the sermon, like even if I'm not helping him, he loves it when I inquire and say, hey, so what are you talking about Sunday? And, you know, what, how can I pray for you? Or, you know, um, just encouraging. But I also believe they have one more thing that they'll mention. Does anyone want to shout it out? What shows a man love? Three letter word. Sex. Sex. Okay. It's a God-given gift. It's okay to talk about it in church. Okay. Amen. Anyways, I believe that being committed to a mutually fulfilling sexual relationship shows our husband's love. Okay. Amen, man. Can we get some clapping on that, man? Come on, man. And we must look again, look at love from their perspective, not ours. For us, that might not be our number one number one need. It, it, it might be um, number one need. Right. It might be you know having them help us clean the house. It might be having them you know taking the kids out while we go and have a, a you know night with our girlfriend or whatever it is. But there's proof to back this up. You know, surveys show that sex is one of a man's most important needs, if not the most important. And a husband, the survey also shows that a husband may feel rejection when a wife resists intimacy, is uninterested, or, and I think, listen to this one, is only passively interested. 
In other words, you just go through the motions. Okay? Keep going. I like this. <laughs> I'm going to so, sit down and just I'm listen. Just, I'm just speaking real here. But our husband's sexual needs should be our number one goal to meet. Okay? Because, again, this is where Satan sees an open door a lot of the times. If your husband's not fulfilled sexually, he could tend to look for that in other areas. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my husband to feel like he has to do that. Amen. Okay? Um, or is even tempted to do that. To do that. Um, our husband's sexual needs should be more important than housework. Should be more important than kids. I, get, I can guarantee you that our, our husbands would rather us have a dirty house and have sex than to have a clean house and feel like we're too tired to have sex. Come on now. Preach it, woman. Preach it. I'm, and I'm preaching this out of experience. <laughs> okay. It should be more important than kids. And that you heard me right there. Number one, God... Number two, your husband. Number three, kids. Kids Amen. leave, spouses stay, right? <laughs> Again, I think, you know, when Bo mentioned we're seeing people get divorced after 25 years, I think it's because we, and probably moms more so than husbands, we pour into our kids. I mean, and that's great. That's what we're bent to do. And we love our kids. And I mean, I'm never going to change that. But we give, give, give to our kids. And we net when we sacrifice our husbands, and then the kids leave, and we look at each other, and we're like, "Who are you? Where did you come from? What do we have in common? What do we like to do together?" Um, And I think that that's why, again, we're seeing. Because I used to think, "Why in the world? You know, you've been married for twenty years. You know, geez, that's a lot. A lot to just, you know, and then and then to see you get a divorce, and that that makes so much sense to me now to see." I mean, you know, mom's just pouring in or has, you know, even the dad pouring into their kids and neglecting this relationship so that then when the kids are gone, you're just lost and you don't know what to do. Right. And I think that that makes so much sense. And so it makes me want to work, you know, work on my marriage and realize that, you know, my kids are fun, but they're going to have to leave one day, you know, or hopefully, I guess, they'll leave one day. Yes, they will. Anyways, and number three, you know, it's, uh, well, our husband's sexual needs should be more important than housework, kids, and any activities. And I think, you know, again, it's it's great for women to have goals, to have dreams, you know, hobbies, whatever. But if those hobbies make us to where we can't meet our husband's needs, then we might need to, to check that. You know, in mine, and, and I struggle with this too, I run. So, you know, there's days I'll go and run, you know, when I'm training, like I'm training right now for a marathon. And so I go and I run. Um, all these miles and then I'm just I'm physically tired and so then sometimes that affects you know and he was you know and it's not it's not fair for him to sacrifice because of my personal goal and so I have to make sure that I'm either gonna cut back on that or I'm gonna suck it up and do what I, what I need to do anyways and so um anyways that's just how, how we need uh, this is a god-given role for a wife number three a wife's role is to submit to her man Okay, before you roll your eyes, listen up again. This is a a word that the culture has taken and made bad. And we want to look at it from a biblical perspective. Um, If you want, if you're a a godly woman and you want to honor God, then this is this is part of it, too. Okay, it's not just all the other things. This is in the Bible. So but the idea of submission, it's been take it's been skewed by our culture as derogatory. And again, Bo has hit on this, you know, as far as what this sometimes has looked like in marriages and why it has gotten a bad rep. But our culture has taken this word and created the idea that women are weaker. They've, you know, made us out to be a weaker gender. And they've created the idea that a godly woman means that you hide your opinions, your dreams, and your interests. You don't even voice those things um, because you're just to submit. Um, And that's not even what submission is. So 
I'm just here to tell you today that submission is about putting someone else first. And this is for all Christians. As believers, we are all called to, um, you know, I mean, there's verses that say, you know, honor others above yourself. Um, look, not, look not only to your own interests, but to others' interests. Put other people before yourself. So this is something that all Christians should be practicing. This isn't just just wise, but we are called to, to submit to our husbands. So submission is mutual service. Bo helps me, I help him. This is a mutual thing. But here's the deal. If Bo doesn't help me, I'm still called to help him as a Christian. That's my role. I mean, if, and if, again, if you're uh, not married to a believer, you're still called to submit. Okay? Um, it's called to, you're called to be selfless. Okay, <laughs> and that's sometimes hard because we feel like we are selfless. We do everything for our kids. We are selfless with our kids, but are we selfless with our husbands? I think sometimes I have to check myself on that. Ad, um, submission is our attitudes that should mark any believer, male or female. And again, I'm going to read this verse again. Ephesians 5, 21 through 22. Submit to one, an- one another out of reverence for Christ. That was verse 21. That comes before verse 22, like he said. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So, you know, as Christians, we're submit to the Lord, and this should pour over into our marriages with our husbands. So these verses tell us to all submit, not just wives. Submission is to be a regular part for all believers. And submitting doesn't mean that you're a doormat. Um, for us, and I'll just say kind of in our marriage, this is what submission looks like. If we have an issue um, to, to talk about, and I remember it like when we lived in Newcastle, Bo felt called to move to different church. I did not at the time, okay? but So we had to pray about this. We had to communicate about it. Um, and we prayed about it some more, and then we had to make a, de- a decision. And I felt led to move as well. But had I not, I would have submitted to what the Lord was leading him to do as the leader of our home. Okay. So again, you talk about these things, you discuss them. Women, you voice your opinion, you voice your concern, you voice that that's going to be a pay cut. How are we going to pay our bills? Okay. You voice those concerns and that's okay, but you pray about it. And then ultimately as the leader of your home, if he feels like this is what God wants you to do, and this is what's going to better your family and honor God, you submit to that. Okay. He gets to answer to the Lord, right? <laughs> and you get to answer to the Lord for how you submitted to the, the, yeah. the husband that he gave you. Can I just tell you this ladies, listen, teenagers, listen, this is why you want to date. And then you want to marry somebody that you admire and respect. If they're a flat-out jerk and they don't care about you when you're dating, how do you think they're going to be when you're married? Mm -hmm. You are going to hate submitting to them because they're an idiot and they make stupid decisions. So, again, if you will marry somebody that you respect, that's wise, that isn't perfect, but at least attempts to know Jesus and know what he says and actually do it, then he humbles himself to Jesus, he obeys Jesus, and then he's going to be moldable and coachable to be able to make a mistake and then move forward and, and not make it again. Does that make sense? So if you want, you know, to my wife, I pray, she wants to submit to me. You know why? Because I love her so much. It becomes so much easier for her to go, babe, I, I don't know what we're supposed to do here, so I'm submitting to your leadership. You know what makes that easy for her to do? Because I love her. 
Right. And I think a lot of times, too, we default to that sometimes. We think, you're the leader. I just submit to whatever you decide. Well, no, he wants to hear what you think about exactly. it. Exactly. He wants to hear your support, your encouragement, your, um, you know, God's giving you wisdom as well, right? And so if you see a red flag, if you see something that, oh, babe, I don't know if this is the right decision for us to do, voice those things so that you yeah. can pray about them. But I know we're, we're running short on time, but I wanted to read this verse real quick. Um, if you are married to someone who doesn't, who's not a believer, who's not a Christian, First Peter 3, 1, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So again, like I said, you know, we have great influence in our husband's lives. And, and if they are not believers, a lot of that influence can be hopefully in your lifestyle is what's going to draw them to the Lord and to salvation. And so, again, the best reflection of Jesus that we can be is what we is what we need to be as, as wives. Yeah. And I know we've given you a lot, but hopefully you walk out of here going, I kind of know my role now. I may need to read this again or study this again. I kind of know it. Wives, hopefully, or girls, hopefully, you can go back, you can listen to it again and say, I, I can at least try to figure out what my role is. There's scriptures to back up everything that, you know, that Bo and Heather said today. So I hope that you'll take it, you'll swallow it, and then you'll start applying it, okay? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a second. Now I want to close with just a few questions, and this is the first question. Are you prepared to fulfill God's role in your marriage? Are you prepared for that? Now, again, you may not ever feel prepared, but hopefully after today, you're going, man, I know what my role is. I know that at least God, you know, he wants me to be this type of man or he wants me to be this type of woman. Here's another question. Are you going to buy into the lie of the world and do what pleases the culture? Or are you going to love the way that God wants you to love? You're going to treat your wife the way God wants you to treat her, or are you going to do what tradition says? You're going to treat your husband the way that, that God wants you to treat your husband, or are you going to do what the culture says? My desire is to look into this church and go, man, we've got some healthy relationships. We've got some people that I could put on stage and they could tell you, you know, how God has shown them, you know, how to walk this life together as a married couple. And they could actually set an example for the next generation. That's our desire. That's what we want. And I know that's what God wants. And so my prayer for each of you, whether you're a teenager looking for love one of these days, you're a young adult single looking for love. Listen, if you will apply the truths of the Word of God that you've learned today, you will be better prepared to have a godly marriage. Maybe you're already married. Maybe you need to change the way that you're treating your wife. Maybe you need to change the way that you're treating your husband. And you need to fulfill your biblical godly role in your marriage and stop being so selfish. I don't know. But I'm going to choose what God says. Because I want to be successful. And I hope that you will too. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to share truth with every individual in this room. And Lord, we pray that they would not just hear it and set it aside, but they would apply it to their relationships, that they would apply it to their marriages so that they can bring you glory. And we do all this for your glory. In your holy name I pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this message from Bo and Heather Haig at Thousand Hills Ranch Church. Join us again next Sunday at 9 or 10.30 a.m. to hear more about love, marriage, and making babies. You can visit us online at thousandhillsranch.church. That's 1000hillsranch.church. I rode every trail in the Lone Star State. I roamed the range in my Ford V8. Yippee, I old tie. Hey.